The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS and brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. L. L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged and kinetic skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, Mike is back. And so is Joel Embiid. The Sixers win two consecutive games for the first time this season behind 59 from Mr. Joel Embiid, who appears to be back. Uh, another player who appears to be back is Charles Bassey, but he is back in San Antonio. And we already did this when Amos was here, but I want to read some lines from the Keith Pompey Doc Rivers article to Mike just to get his reaction. Saturday night. Mootlu and I are doing a live Carl Landry Record Club, our music podcast. We're doing it at World Cafe Live Saturday night. Moot's going to do a full set, and then we'll do the Record Club pod. Tickets are 15 bucks and available at mootlusounds.com. And I did mention kinetic skateboarding. I was, I, I say all the time they get sneakers that nobody else gets. And the best place to keep track of these is their Instagram page. And I was on earlier. I don't know if you know, this might be a Gen X thing, but the rap group, The Far Side, has like a, a sneaker collabo with this company that I've never seen before called Lakai. And they are awesome. Um, you would only see something like this at Kinetic. You're not going to see these walking through the mall or something like that. So if you want to be exposed to sneakers, you're not going to see anywhere else, as well as the best in gear. And if you're a snowboarder, there's your snowboard stop as well. Kinetic skateboarding. Use promo code Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order at kineticskateboarding.com. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who refused to come back to the pod until the Sixers were at least 500, and they are. That is one, Mike Levin. Wow. 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 I feel exhausted, regular life, but Sixers, I feel pretty refreshed. I didn't watch those three games that I missed. <laughs> you didn't watch them at all? Not a chance. <laughs> Not even a little bit, man. I did when I got Welcome to- Welcome to the premier Sixers podcast. That's right. I watched the end of the Knicks game, which was, or some of the end of the Knicks game, which was frustrating. <laughs> sure. Didn't watch the Suns game. Don't, didn't watch the beginning of the Hawks, the, Hawks the, the first Hawks game. I watched yesterday and today. Okay. Um, this is the preseason. It's important to remember. But the yep. stats do count. Joel's the man. So I, feel, I do feel refreshed. I feel ready for takes. I feel ready for the Doc Rivers discourse. <laughs> feel ready for James Harden to be out for several more weeks. 
I'm back. I'm here. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to carry the load for everybody else that has been tiring without me. Wow. Wow. That's good to hear. Good to hear. You came back just in time. Well, Embiid played well against the Hawks, uh, I, but this game was certainly another level of well compared to the game against the Hawks, given that it was, he's been, he's been like inching up defensively, I would say game, game to game. And obviously the 59 points and being the only player who scored in the fourth quarter for the Sixers being quite notable in this game, but he was pretty dominant defensively as well. And it could, I mean, is this the best game he's ever played? I think, uh, you know, it's very fresh. So yeah. it's hard to know without really thinking too hard about it, but certainly up there, yeah. highest scoring game. I mean, it's 59 is 59, but it's not just, it's 59 points on, you know, how many shots did it take? Like 20, 30? 27? Something like that. It was like, it was an efficient 59. He was doing it on the defensive end. He was passing. This is, I think he had eight assists. I don't know what his career high in assist is, but like, this is also up there and seven blocks also like. He was just, he was doing everything. He had five turnovers in the first half, largely like a couple offensive fouls and a couple like careless ones, but he was passing the ball really, really well. Didn't have any turnovers in the second half. I mean, as far as like a complete Joel game, doing everything all over the court, 20 to 24 from the foul line, just like he had 59 points. The rest of the team had 46. <laughs> that, is, that is pretty ridiculous. Tobias or Maxi had 18. Nobody else had uh, more than eight. It was uh, there's no reason that they won this game uh, aside from the fact that they had a an all time performance by uh, the best sixer of my lifetime. So I would say that his passing once he cleaned up, you know, it was uh, the bullshit. There, yeah, the bullshit in the first quarter maybe. It almost felt like he was in a passing zone. Yeah on this game. Mm -hmm. Like he was seeing things and making passes. Like the game had slowed down for him for a bit with the passing. Did you notice that at all? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I, I've been begging him to like manipulate the double team and not be like surprised by it for years now. And he'll show flashes occasionally, but this is definitely the most like complete version of it is where he's like, I'm driving to kick. I'm staying balanced. I'm going up. Like I'm going to shoot this shot and then I'm going to whip it to Maxi for, for a three. Uh, found shake underneath with the defense uh, caught watching him on the pump fakes. It was great, man. I mean, and the teammates are cutting off him, which is nice. That definitely helps it, but it, it's a lot. Him seeing the game well is really, really important. Slowing down, I think, is definitely what's happening for him. And I just feel like he looks balanced right now in a way that he not always is. Like when you can tell that he's going. I wrote this early in the game before he had fifty nine fucking points, but you can tell when he is in a good place offensively when he's like decelerating when he's doing those, like how is he only taking two steps here and they're not calling a travel and he's getting to his spots and the defender is kind of like just unable to get around him. Um, and he was doing that a lot and his footwork's on point. Um, you know, it's a lot of mid range. It's a ton of mid range, but when it's going in, like he's just, you know, one of the best mid range shooters in the league. Well, and he's, he's unstoppable. His, his, you know, when his mid range is going, that's when he's absolutely at his best. And maybe he had this one last year, but it does seem like one of his, if he does have a new move, that sort of dribble into the 15 foot, the, the foul line jumper. Um, he's always done that, but it feels like something that is almost automatic. Like he's not even thinking about it. Sort of like the pull up 
15 to 17 footer right around the foul line. Has he pull uh, up Jimbo? Yeah, it is. Has he pull up Jimbo? There it is. I wish the only complaint I have, if I have any complaint at all, it is, I do wish he would take the threes when they're open and not hesitate and pass it to Daniel House. That is the only complaint I have, but he was fantastic. When when we talk about him being the best player on the team and when we're, we're one of the best players in the league and when we're complaining about uh, performances, it's like it's that you want to see masterpieces like this. He's not going to score 59 every game, but knowing that this is in him, um, the games where he like sort of, not when he doesn't score as many, but when he just like gets disconnected mentally, whatever it is, are a bummer because you know these games are in there somewhere. Yeah, I mean, he seems like he has balance. He seems like he's pushing the pace. I mean, he was a <laughs> He was incredible. He only played 36 minutes. He had 59 points on 28 shots. The blocks were incredible. I mean, I, I think like the biggest issue with Embiid this season so far has been, man, he doesn't look like he's deterring the other team from going at the rim as much. Mm -hmm. And like he kind of was still, it's still like if you look at the, you know, people reporting the numbers and stuff, it's like, yeah, they don't allow that many shots at the rim in the half court kind of thing. And that's a lot of it because of Embiid. But it just seemed like he wasn't quite all the way there and as part of him like working himself back into shape and him talking about how he was just basically sitting on the couch all summer uh, as he was uh, rehabbing from whatever myriad injuries he is having um, but it seemed like the past couple games and especially this one he was really just like timing everything right and had enough juice to get to get up and and you know really impact some shots and it was i mean the block on olenic early in the game when he just ripped it away from him yeah he, he just caught it. it that yeah. was awesome yeah um it's pretty imposing for a guy who says he can't lift his shoulder to have, <laughs> have seven blocks and 59 points for a guy who says he can't do it so uh special special human being beautiful beautiful man uh and i love that he i mean such it's such a perfect job this is i keep saying that he's like the most human we, I just feel like we know him more than I've ever known any athlete in my life. I just feel like we really like know know him so well, and like the shot, the like fuck boy shot when he had fifty seven to get turn around three to get sixty. <laughs> just be like fuck you, man. Like it's such a perfect Joel thing. He's the best. He's the best. He's an absolute troll, um, and he's deeply human. And I love him. And I'm happy that he had a good game and they won the fucking game. I would have just leapt into traffic if he didn't. Mike, can he be this guy with James Harden on the court? I mean, I mean the fact that the fact that Harden isn't there is why he has to do all this stuff because they're pretty hopeless without him on the court. And since Harden's been here, they've been far better than previously when uh, when Joel sat. So I would like him to not need to do this, and he definitely needed to do this tonight. Um, but I think absolutely. I think I think Harden is a guy that will will let someone eat when they are uh, playing so well. I think did did Maxi get his? Maxi scored fifty recently, right? I'm that all forgets. I always everything's gone. But when he when Maxi had the big game, I feel like Harden was playing. Is my recollection? Boy, so I, it just I have no idea. Yeah. We're, the regular season <laughs> games don't count. The memories count. I, I don't remember. But I think the answer is yes, and it will be helpful. And the the thing that I that I would like to the the more interesting hardened question to me is like, oh, is he allowed to like touch the ball this much? And it's more like the style of play 
that they played tonight, which is like Embiid, CJ's telling us he had 44. CJ was Maxi, was Harden playing in the game. Maxi had 44 against the Raptors. I think now I'm remembering it's no. You're going to say no. Anyway, I don't think he was. It's a, it's a, what was the podcast 10, is a conversation with me. Oh, he CJ was. Says, yes. Okay, he great. Was there you go. Um, <laughs> the podcast is now a conversation <laughs> with me and uh, CJ the, and D in the chat. It's a private chat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the it, seeing Embiid seeing the court this well and having guys who are willing to cut off of him, that is the question that I think Harden struggles with because he's a guy that likes to stand at the top of the key and kind of operate from there and have the ball in his hands and everything. I would like the idea of threats to shoot off the catch, threats to cut off the catch uh, off of someone else uh, commanding a double team or at least everybody's heads turning. Like That's the stuff that's like, man, it was nice to see that tonight for an offense that for months of the season, so far month of the first month of the season, has not moved much, which was frustrating. And so seeing like, at least some movement off of it. Now nobody else was scoring aside from Joel, but seeing some movement off of it and then being a threat, uh, I'm just imagining how many how many points was he responsible for? <laughs> how did they do anything when he didn't have the ball in his hands? Unbelievable. Uh, well, the- I would like to see more of that, and I would like to see guys be more willing to do that. And at least it looked like, you know, the offense was Joel tonight, but I think there's stuff that they can carry into you know the rest of the season, even without when Joel's not the hottest player of all time. We'll talk about Maxi in one second. Before we do, Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. I'm going to spell it for you. K-O-R-N-B-L-A-U. Cornblow. Look, you see commercials for personal injury lawyers. You see billboards for them. You see them on buses. They're all full of shit. Most of them, a lot of them don't even live here. They're not even here. When you call those places, they are referral services and they send you to somebody else. The difference is you call Cornblow, Cornblow and Cornblow located right here, or I'm in North Jersey now, but right down there in the Delaware Valley, you are getting a Cornblow. They've been there for four decades and they have some of the biggest personal injury, medical malpractice results in all of Southeastern PA. They have offices all over the place. He'll come to you. You need him to make a house call, he'll come to you. You want to do it over Zoom, he'll do it over Zoom. You want to do it over the phone, you'll do it over the phone. This guy is going to lead you through, Cornblow is, or maybe one of the other Cornblows, will lead you through a personal injury lawsuit like nobody else will. I've been involved in one of them. They take forever. They're very frustrating. You need somebody who is passionate about it and who is patient and who is going to uh, keep you informed and give you the right advice. And Cornblow is that guy. Also, he has helped a number of our listeners out with other legal problems. If you have any legal issue whatsoever, Cornblow is the guy to go to. Doesn't cost you anything to reach out. 215 576 7200 ask for Adam. That's 215 576 7200 ask for Adam. Email cornblow at cornblow and cornblow.com. Cornblow and cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Since Harden has gone out, Maxi has not been at the top of his game. He played pretty well yesterday in the, uh, the second Hawks game. Um, I would say, though, the positive is I, I do think this time without Harden is good for him. Um, because I think him learning how to run the offense itself or, you know, being distributor or being main guy, I think it is helpful for him. The positive I have seen is I have seen moments of two man game with Maxi and Harden or Maxi and Embiid 
that I feel like I had not seen before. And it doesn't tend to last all game. It's usually in the first, it was, I think, in the first quarter of the Hawks game that they were running some pick and roll that was working maybe in the first quarter of both Hawks games. But I feel like I've seen little nuggets out of Maxi and Embiid that I had not seen before that we probably wouldn't see if Harden was here. Yeah, I mean, I think like this is, first of all, I just, CJ said this in the chat and I, I'm just, I'm just, uh, dict- I'm the translator for CJ in the chat. Uh, mm-hmm. Hinky Arteed uh, retweeted Woj's comment, Woj's tweet on Embiid tonight, which is always, every time there's a nice Embiid thing, it feels like Hinky's. Of all people, he's got to retweet his fucking Woj. Come on, Sam. Not not important. The important thing Re- is Sam re- is. Retweet some it. Sixers Twitter person or something. Come on, not Woj. Not um, Woj. That's all I'm but saying. yeah, this not is the point of the regular season, man. Like, it's the regular season. You should be trying shit you should be getting better you should be using this as an opportunity to get more comfortable doing x y or z and like maxi is at a place right now like obviously he's playing the most minutes in the league right now he is leading the league in minutes so the fact that he is tired sometimes and has hit a, a little bit of a wall makes sense and he's having to carry so much of a load and the the big push and pull over the last you know couple weeks or the couple however many games without Harden has been like Maxi looking for his shot versus Maxi creating for others and like how does he find a rhythm of that that's gonna be something that we're gonna be for his like the at least the next couple of seasons until he like locks into the kind of guy he is I think it'll start to come a little more naturally to him but like there's a the, there's a level of responsibility that that requires and i think that yes absolutely harden being out and giving him more responsibility and allowing him to work through these things is going to be helpful for him both in the playoffs this year and in his career going forward cuz he's like he's a ten pole guy and he's going to need to be able to like run a ton of pick and rolls with Joel and find guys in the corner and know when it's time to like go up with a tough shot versus like pull it out and, and find another shooter, like all that stuff. So, um, and his defense, I think has been better lately. I think as his offense has been, uh, at least the past two games, uh, last couple of games, maybe. A little bit, it yeah. seems like he's, you know, being a little bit more anticipating a little bit of a step ahead, um, on the defensive end that he hasn't been before. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, He's not going to shoot 57% from three all the time. And so when he doesn't, like, it's nice to see, like, how can you bounce back? Can you, like, will you keep shooting? Will you find ways to contribute? All that stuff. So um, he's the man. And I'm, I've, I'm, like, I'm honestly happy to see him struggle. Like, it's important. It's important in the long run to see him struggle. Thibel started to now, Thibel started against the Hawks in game two when Melton was hurt. He did start, he did start again against Utah. I thought he was, putrid against the hawks i thought he was passable against the jazz um, oh he was excellent he was excellent tonight for, yeah for who for who he is he's absolutely incredible like wow a bunch five steals <laughs> in a block plus 18 like was huge defensively for a team that like you know melton is one thing he's, he's you know a little bit banged up or whatever um but the his ability to recover is so noticeable when the defense is in the rotation on a team or when the six are in rotation on a team where almost no one else can is reasonably fast to recover. Like 
ball gets swung to the corner, it feels like even Maxi because he's too small, Tobias because he's slow and and just you know not quick. Tucker is a thousand years old, and B doesn't want to do it. All those guys, like everybody, is so like lumbering out to like contest something, and Matisse can just be there so quickly that it just it it throws a wrench in there, and it's really really helpful for a team that is still pretty lost defensively as a unit, as like a cohesive unit. And Bede had to clean up a ton of their shit. I think Matisse did a bunch of that tonight. Like it, it kind of blanket, it sort of like hid how they're still inexplicably unable to communicate. I don't have like an answer for why, but I thought Matisse, like that's the benefit of Matisse, the benefit of Bebo Paul is like, they're going to fuck up, but they could also like, totally recover and save a play in the same way that like, you know, a cornerback can let guys go by him and also like make a huge interception. Like those are, those are very important plays. And I thought he was great tonight. And let, we have to honor the fact that Matisse threw a lob to Tobias in transition. <laughs> yes. We have to, we have to respect that. Anybody that didn't think that disaster was going to strike in that moment. Yeah. Is there lying. Was, you were terrified. You yes. had to be terrified. But I his was handle like, is he has throw it behind improved. him. I know it. His handle is improved. His passing is improved. It's not like, Oh, it's still like he's still maybe the worst NBA player offensively in the league. There's an ar- arguably he is, but like it's definitely got he's closed the gap. He's closed the gap some for sure. Um, and that was a great play. And then the ne- the very next play, another uh, transition opportunity and then beat out less to outlet to Tobias for a dunk. And so it's just like, yes, transition basketball. How about it? Imagine run with us Be- being decisive. Run with us. Why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I loved, I love, I, I love the good Matisse game. I wish that he's open all the time. Wow, he's just yeah. constantly open Wonderful in the dunker why. spot. And I, I wish that he would anticipate how open he is and that there were enough passers on this team to find him down there. Um, because like other, there are other players in the league that are, uh, offensively inept and they can still find ways to score because they're athletic and long and just know where to be. And it seems like Matisse is just pretty skittish about those kinds of things. So it was nice to get one to, uh, to get one tonight. And I would like to see more of it and stuff. And PJ is just dying to transition, make Matisse into a better offensive player. Just like dying for it. You can tell he's trying to will it into existence. And it just, I don't think it's going to happen. But PJ, by the way, you know, <laughs> get run, run wind sprints out there. Didn't put up a shot tonight. Pretty well, hard to do. Can, can I? I'm I'm confused by this. Honestly, the the there's a lot of criticism. I uh, maybe just on the internet about like p- how many points PJ Tucker is scoring. Yeah, this like, is what does he, he average for his career? Like fucking six points a game. This is definitely who he's been the last like three or four years for sure. Yeah, I mean he is. I would say that the thing that is more concerning is that he does not appear able, and maybe it's part of he had you know, surgery on his knee in the off season. Maybe it's part of that. He doesn't seem able to keep up with players that are smaller than him as yeah, well as yeah. he did previously. Also, but also his, my biggest concern. Yeah. Yeah. His offense is exactly the same. You know, when he's open, he'll shoot it. I yeah, I think he's, he's shooting 45% from three or mm-hmm. something with the limited shot. So mm-hmm. I, I think we remember that heat series when he was fucking hitting floaters and hook shots and stuff. And, but this is exactly who he is offensively. I don't think you can worry about that too much. Yeah, for sure. And he doesn't try to do too much. Yeah. That's the, that's um, the, he's going to give, you know, somebody else a chance. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind more corner threes from him, Sure, but it's for whatever reason, the offense thus far has not been 
leading to that. And it seems like he also like sets likes to set screens to get guys open for those, like Tobias. It seems like he's always setting screens, like a pin down screen mm-hmm. for Tobias to get an open three. And he sets good screens. He mm-hmm. sets uh, he sets muscular screens. That's right. The not not the best two Paul Reed games no. we've seen. No, it's been bad. It's been for yeah. sure bad. Yeah. Uh, the air, airballing a ten foot baseline jumper, uh, like we never, <laughs> we we may never see him again. Like he yeah. may not even be allowed on the bench anymore. Yeah, Doc it's, might just like hold him in prison. I was surprised he got into the. I was surprised that he was the, the first the big off the bench tonight. I was actually. Yeah. You know. I mean, look, like he he's going to make mistakes. Like he is a like raw, still a very raw player despite being older than you want him to be. Um, but like, you got to let him work through that shit. Like you got to let him work through that shit. Like the fact that he's doing this is an example of why you need to play him more. I know it's like maybe counterintuitive, but like you have to play the guy that needs the reps so that he can work through this bullshit so that when you need him in March, April, May, like he has worked through that and learned from it and tightened that shit up. There's no amount of playing time that Montrez Harrell is going to have that will make him playable in the playoffs. Here's, here's a, a wild stat for you. The Sixers won a game tonight in 2022. They were four of 23 from three. Yeah. They hit sure. four three-pointers. Which is obviously a lot of why the second unit was so ineffective. It's just like if shots go in, then, then they seem like they're, you but, know, Offensive rebounds. They're not. They were out rebounded eighteen to eight on the offensive glass. Mm -hmm. Defensive, it was. Hold on, it was huge defensive glass to thirty. Wait, no, 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 no. Oh, maybe not. Well, the Sixers also missed fewer shots. Right, right. And they took they took fourteen fewer threes. Like they got they got eleven to four made threes. That's like a big deficit to to come back from, and they and they did because they just shot better from twos then it's all obviously all Embiid um I wish they would not I wish they would get more threes up than they had in the past in, in previous games but 23 four of 23 is kind of unacceptable you got you kind of got to keep shooting work your way out of it but but yeah the people Paul stuff it's like look man Trez had a nice little game had a couple like roll to the rim dunks that's totally fine that's what he should be doing. It looked like he had at least more than five inches of elevation tonight. <laughs> Very nice. He didn't dive on a, on the ground for a loose ball. One possession, like four times, had the opportunity to and didn't. And that's like absolutely unacceptable to me. Like if you're going to be a dog and that's going to be the reputation, then like you, you got to like get on the ground, man. Um, but Doc doesn't trust him either. He does. He knows he doesn't trust him. Like Doc knows. He 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 doesn't want to go. Like he, I think he would prefer that the small ball lineup worked and he would never have to play a center. But the small ball lineup doesn't work enough it's not it's just not it's not good enough pj is not as you know maybe maybe they'll get there but it's so easy for guys like lauren Markinen to just like shoot right over pj or tobias or niang and it's well, just like well that's a you know that's what happened with like porzingis it's like a an eight foot jumper with you know a clear view of the hoop it's pretty easy to do well the, also on the small ball lineup they don't have enough shooters to make it dangerous for the other team that's right. really too yeah i mean that's, that's right you know, that's what you're supposed to be doing. But like, okay, the b-ball Paul thing, like, yes, bad games, for sure bad games. But like, this is why you got to play him more. And this is why, again, how do you let Charles Bassey just walk? Like, he's well, such, he's the most normal guy. I know we're going to talk about it, but he's like we'll the most normal, like young backup center player of all time. 
who just like rolls the rim, set screens and rebounds and block shots. And Doc is like, I don't like it. I don't like it. And he just let him walk for nothing. And that's like dumb as shit. And obviously he's good in San Antonio. And obviously Pop is like, yeah, we should be playing this guy. He's pretty good. And Doc is like, I'm happy for him. And it's like, no, you're not. You're lying. We, uh, we want to send... You know he's lying, right? You think he's lying, <laughs> yes, right? of course. <laughs> Doc, Doc wants Charles Bassey to fail. Of course. So that he can be like, I was right about him. And of even course. if he doesn't fail, he will still take credit for him saying like, well, that's why I had to, you know, I, all my teachings that I implemented into him is why he's, why he's good. And he'll be wrong. He's wrong either way. He thinks he's right either way, but he's wrong either way. He's wrong either way. We got an email from Maddie and Benji. And Maddie and Benji are uh, married and they are Ricky listeners. And they, they told this story and I, I didn't about Big Barker. And I didn't know if I wanted to tell it because I didn't want some bad person trying to take advantage of Big Barker. But it was so nice. I felt like I had to share it. So Maddie sent a note. They have three dogs, all processed pups. They had a terrible house fire. Um, Maddie and Benji. Now everybody is good and the, uh, the dogs are good as well. Um, but they, um, they, Maddie called big Barker to see if there was a discount to replace a bed because they had to replace the dog's beds and big Barker said, fuck that and sent him new dog beds for, for the dogs. And I thought that was like the nicest thing in the world. And it's something that a Ricky sponsor would do. And very happy to report that Maddie and Benji are doing well. And they're three dogs who are adorable. You can see them on our, uh, on our Instagram page right now are doing well as well. So thank you to Big Barker, who uh, it's not the first story like that, that I've heard of them taking care of our listeners and they always do it. But I just think it's so awesome that they do. Big Barker is the only dog bed that you should have. Your dog should be sleeping on a Big Barker because it'll keep your dog healthy quite simply it's not bullshit it is uh the dog the the bed is is engineered in a way by experts to support your dog's joints to keep your dog healthier and it's been shown to work pen vet did a study 100 works definitely works and uh it it works for young dogs old dogs small dogs big dogs if you have a dog should be sleeping on a big barker go to bigbarker.com slash ricky bigbarker.com slash Ricky. You get the Big Barker dog bed with two process pup patches. Uh, they're fine looking beds as well in whatever room you have them. All the colors, all the, uh, the, the headrest without the headrest, all that kind of stuff, the different sizes, whatever you need, whatever room it's going in, whatever dog you have, Big Barker has it for you. A 10-year uh, warranty, the foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. One year at home trial. Try it for a full year. If you don't like it, if your dog doesn't like it, they'll give you a refund and pay for shipping. Handmade in the USA. Big Barker dog beds. Thank you again, Big Barker, for uh, for taking care of me. We like all our sponsors. I like all our sponsors. They're all Um, great. Yeah. I just looked at Embiid's stat line again and started laughing. 59 and 10? 59, 10, and 8? Is that what it was? 59, 11, 8, and 7. 7. Wow. Pretty good. That'll, boost, that'll juice the numbers a little bit. The guy's unbelievable. A couple more things on the game. Yes. Uh, just like they got to figure out a way. I don't, they're going to see teams that have a stretch five yeah. person in yeah. the playoffs. And it's just like, that's just a nightmare for Joel. Mm-hmm. And it's too, there's too many players that w- will force him to come out and guard to be like, we gotta we gotta figure something out. Maybe against those teams, it's like we go right to a zone. But just like him waving at like a forty percent shooter 
from like 15 feet away and being like, yeah, you're not going to make it. It's like, that's just not a sustainable thing. It's practically and aesthetically. It's, it's ugly. Um, like, like Jared Vanderbilt who rules, um, is he, is it the perfect kind of cover for Embiid? Um, but there's, they're going to face better teams in the playoffs and you got to figure something out. Um, yeah, Mark Jackson made the point on the broadcast that I that I keep saying, which is like players getting caught in between whether I double or don't double on drives, on help. And it's just like, we got to be more decisive. Need more decisiveness on the defensive end, whether it was like we're doubling hard or we're not. And that this guy is on your own to like, PJ, stick with this guy. Nobody's coming. It's just you. Like that kind of shit. Um, and yeah, like you said, worried about how easily guards can get by PJ. Like he still does dirty work, important, but on an island with a ball handler, Colin Sexton, whoever, like it's he's a borderline liability at this point. And hopefully there's an, an extra gear in him to come playoff time. But he is one player who we really is all that really matters is the playoffs. hundred percent. But he is definitely everybody else. I think has, has to play well now, as long as PJ Tucker's there in the playoffs, I'm happy for sure. I mean, I think, yeah, yes, he certainly earned it. I would like to continue playing him as little as possible then. Um, <laughs> but you know, whatever. Uh, I love D'Anthony Melton. I yes. just want to say it. He missed last night's game. That was a bummer. Still a good win, but like, He's just such a player that is exactly the kind of player they have needed for such a long time. Like a two-way person that is capable. I would honestly try to... They close with the starting lineup. Maxi, Matisse, PJ, Tobias, Embiid. And, and I, you, you're going to say put him in for Tobias, which I get. I would put him in for PJ a, a lot of the time. It's not like Utah has a great wing scorer that you need PJ on or anything. I, I would much rather have melting out there to like especially without Harden to give them a shot at some other creation on the second on the second side well I mean I would just start him for Harden to be honest with you but my my point is start him for Harden well no no no. I mean you're talking about when Harden's out right when when Harden comes back I don't think he's (laughs) I don't think Harden's like giving the thumbs up to Tucker going to the bench for Melton to come out that's why I that's mostly why I say Harris. Um, I just think like Matisse, yeah. Matisse was so helpful tonight that in the defensive spot, you need him in there. And you are limited offensively with Matisse and PJ in a way that you're not with Matisse and Tobias at least. Um, so I would have I would have taken PJ off for a summit tonight. But, and, and I think that it'd be nice to have like the the unpredictability to do that, but it seems like Doc always sticks with these guys. Um, but anyway, Melton, like there was one play, he high pointed a rebound, he went coast to coast and finished o- and just like decided to finish over the guard in, in transition for a layup. It was just like an absolute delight. Um, and really at this point, he's the only guy that who's, who's like, I trust him. I, I was going to say he's the only guy I trust to get a rebound. And I think like he ha- obviously there are a good, bunch of good rebounders in the Sixers, but like his combination of like elevation and want to. There's and not also, really like, a bunch of good rebounders on this. But also his hands. Like, I mean, like two. Paul and Harden is traditionally a good rebounder or has okay. rebounded a lot. Embiid, obviously. But like Embiid doesn't have great hands in that. Right. It seems like he like fumbles a couple. 
Um, PJ will get like a loose ball, but not like Melton is the guy that I'm like, if I want someone to get a rebound, I want it to be Melton because I feel like he's just going to come up with it. Um, I love him. I'm happy he's here. And just the last thing, not about really anything at all, but like Malik Beasley is so the kind of player I, I love Malik Beasley. I've loved him for so long. I would have loved to get him on this team just as a, like, when's the last time, like he's bouncier than Isaiah Joe or Landry Shamit. But like we'll never we will never have a Malik Beasley on our team. Like the f- the kind of fast off ball shooters that can also elevate over anything. Like when's the last time we had anybody like that? None since like a, a week and a half period that Jumaine Jones looked like he was that guy. <laughs> He's not. He never was. He couldn't shoot. I think like maybe Vernon Maxwell is like the last time. <laughs> wow. like it's no never had they, have they ever had a guy who could elevate like that and. And shoot and and be off well, movement. I mean, the getting DeAnthony Melton is a, a player we never had before. That's true. So you never know. I'm greedy. I'm greedy yeah. for another guy. Melton and Malik Beasley would have been a perfect pairing in this back off the bench on the backcourt. So that would have been nice. All right. So before we get to Charles Bassey and the, I, I want to read you some lines from the Doc Rivers Keith Pompey article. You weren't here for this, and. I'm sure you've seen it, but I just want to get your reaction on the pod because this happened as Amos and I were doing the podcast. You may remember, um, I don't know, a year and a half ago, a couple years ago, I don't know when it was, uh, a gentleman went on Jeopardy, a gentleman named Tyler Road went on Jeopardy, talked about going to the lottery party with his dad, did not say the name of the podcast, got banned. Then this happened last week. Started off. But I want to hear the story of your banning as a result of your Jeopardy fame. Yeah, as one of my anecdotes on my first run on Jeopardy, I referred to a Sixers uh, draft party event that's put on by a local podcast in Philadelphia. They have a rule of thumb. If you don't say the name of the podcast, you get a ban for life. I did not say the name, and I received a ban as a result. (laughs) Luckily, we are not so draconian here on Jeopardy. You're welcome here anytime. Mike, your response to Tyler Road doubling down, not saying the name, and then whoever the fuck this new Jeopardy guy is that I haven't seen Jeopardy in forever. I don't know who the fuck this guy is calling us draconian. Ken Jennings? Mm -hmm. Ken Jennings. So what are your thoughts on both things? Being called draconian and Tyler Road doubling down. Well, the draconian thing, it's like, Ken, we don't have time to explain all this to you. So I, I get <laughs> there's more context that you're missing, but I get you have a TV show to continue on. So okay. I'll, I'll let it slide. I mean, look, it's a nice it's a nice move to do it, to say it, to go on Jeopardy <laughs> of all places and, and do it twice. Yeah. You got to respect it. Yeah. got to respect it. His dad was making excuses for him on Twitter saying that they're not allowed to promote anything on there. And that's why he did it. I was like, oh, really? So of all the stories this this fucking dude could have told, he was like, yeah, let's do the lottery party story again. Come on. Sure. Come on. So uh, the Sixers in their uh, roster crunch, even though they have one roster spot open right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And they did not ever make a consolidation trade. They, they didn't, famously. They cut both Isaiah Joe and Charles Bassey. Now, we checked in with Isaiah Joe last week as he got went fucking nuts and, and won a game, essentially, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Did, did it again today. Had oh, did he? To, to beat the Knicks, finished like plus 11 or something off the bench. I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have Charles Bassey, who... 
The Spurs tweet is the second player in NBA history to have 14 rebounds, four blocks, four assists, and less than 20 minutes off the bench. Um, first player to ever do that and in less than 20 minutes and the first player to do it off the bench. Uh, Greg Popovich said that they sent him to Austin, their G League team. He scored, quote, a zillion points. And they said, hmm, maybe this guy shouldn't be in the G League. And they brought him up. Mm. And then they asked Charles Bassey, this comes from Matthew Tynan, asked Bassey how he's been able to integrate so quickly with the team. Just playing for Pop. That's the kind of coaching you want to play for. He's just so calm. Whether you're losing or winning, he's just calm. He has the right words. He says the right things to a player. And then finally, Bassey, when the Spurs tweeted about him, he quote tweeted it and said, they didn't believe in us. God did. Uh, they obviously meaning somebody other than he's not God. talking about me. <laughs> yeah. He's certainly keep talking about a lot of people. He's not talking about me. <laughs> this is just awful. Uh, it's awful to see. I'm very happy for Charles Bassey. Uh, you know, we blame Doc a lot for these things, but. The person who signs the document is not Doc. You know, like every once in a while, Daryl could do more than text fucking James Harden that day and maybe like make a play to keep one of the guys on the team, as I'm saying. I, I think we we let Daryl Morey off the hook a little bit with these things. It's not the end of the world. It's not like Charles Bassey's going to score 30 points a game every game or something, but it would be nice tonight to have Charles Bassey is, I guess, my point. Well, the the like, the sin wasn't cutting Bassey and Joe and being like, ah, we have to we have to keep a roster spot open and save, you know, tax money so that we can afford to take on more and trade, and we're not strapped by the hard cap or whatever bullshit that I'm gonna forget about in Sixers Adam cap reminder <laughs> flexibility article. Great, all that shit. Great, good job. It was the fucking signing Montrezl Harold to begin with. Again. 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 And we said. DeAndre I, Jordan still playing inexplicably. <laughs> There's a lot of clips going around of DeAndre Jordan being <laughs> just as bad as he was last year and the year before. And people get fooled into it because like how, how, how bad could it be? And it's like, well, the answer is bad. Obviously, very bad. Um, and you only get so many roster spots. He is taking up, Montrezl Harrell is taking up a roster spot. He will not get better. Charles Bassey is better at every single thing on the basketball court than, Mont than Montrezl Harrell, except maybe like creating off the dribble. And it's not like that's what you fucking want him to do anyway. So and that was the, that was the error. Once, once you have signed Montrezl Harrell to, because Doc recruited him, great. Then I I understand why you have to cut both Isaiah Joe and Charles Bassey, but but simply signing deadweight backup center for the nine thousandth year in a row was the was the mistake. Now and here we are to our discredit, but then to our credit, when they signed Montrez Harrell, I think we both thought that he would play well during the regular season, but we both said that this that Doc will make the mistake of going of to him yeah. over a young player. Yeah. And that's what he did. Because and it's not like, I, I'm not saying, I. Paul Reed is going to make mistakes. 
Charles Bassey would have made mistakes if he ever got a chance to play. Well, remember when he played those two regular season games? Yeah, it was like a week and a half where like Dwayne Jones was like begging Doc to let him play. And he did. He did a good job. And then it was like, well, that's enough. I did my I did my part. And I I don't have the quote anywhere, but I believe the quote was something was not. He's ready. He's ready. Yes. The quote was like, like, the quote was like from his doc saying his coach told him like he's ready. Yeah. Yeah. He's ready to be in there. Yeah. And Charles Bassey is obviously a more stable backup center option than Paul Reed would have been. Pops a little bit less, but can do the rolling and shot blocking and rebounding like the classic stuff. You don't want anyone switching as much as you'd like Paul switching, but he's just stable and does the job. And it was always crazy to me that Doc just simply because he was young just didn't want to just didn't want to deal with it. Like I I don't understand why 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 he's not letting young guys work through their mistakes. Like that is the whole point of it. You get playing time, you work through your mistakes. I'm, I mean, I'm just repeating myself. After I'm just, I'm just, it blows me away. And, and it's, and abs- absolutely it's Daryl's fault for placating him in whatever way and not having fired him at this point because well, the whole team looks like, you know, extremely lackadaisical all the time unless someone has a historic night. I, I will never know the answer to this question and it pains me. I will never know the answer to this question, but... I would love to know the dynamic of Maury being able to fire Rivers, given that the owners fired Rivers and more uh, hired Rivers, and Maury did not hire him. Yeah, and, and they would owe him, I don't know, the twenty-five million dollars or whatever right. it is. But uh, I, I would love to know the dynamic of whether he could just go in and say, "Hey, I got to do this." I wonder. I wonder. I mean, um, I'm sure they're seeing the. Every single, it's universal. Like every single comment on the Sixers Instagram and Daryl's Twitters and everybody else is fire doc, fire doc, fire doc. And those guys are busy getting their no, money out not. of the no, they're crypto. Not. They're not that busy. Okay. They're not, they're not that busy. They're super not. They're, he's showing up at Sixers games, like high fiving and talking to people. He's, they're all fucking, they're le- way less busy. What about the new owner guy? The, 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 okay. The, Tad? The guy that, no, Tad's the CEO, uh, David. Uh, uh, the, did you real, know this? Real estate guy? The real estate guy is the owner guy. Yeah. David Adelman now. Yeah. He's they, not that busy either. They're not, none of them are busy. Yes. Come on. They're all, they're all looking at the comments, <laughs> seeing what people are saying <laughs> and wondering if they, should we do this? So they're asking their friends, like, should we, we should like, what do you think? <laughs> they're asking like a random friend. David, I'll tell you what, here's the deal. I will. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. What I will say is someone should just, if all I want to know is that Daryl can do it if he wants to do it. That's all I want to know. That's all I want to know. It's just like, I mean, look, the <laughs> Bryson Stott was not like a better, was not a fundamentally different player when Joe Girardi was there versus when Rob Thompson was there. But like, there's just something to be said about like playing with more freedom that like Charles Bassey's doing right now. Eh, like someone believing in you, you someone want- believing in you, letting you work through mistakes, letting feeling like playing less tight or having like a set that you can go back to and go like, okay, I'm comfortable in this. It's just like, I, I don't, I don't know what, what the game plan is. And it's not evident when the Sixers are, are so lackadaisical and have to like everything's at the end of a shot clock and stuff. So, and the defense is confusing. I, I just don't know. 
I would love like Sam Cassell coming out as an assistant coach and and doing the press conference. Like that's the best. That was the best communication that we've had. <laughs> Sam Cassell's first, first. Like let him just let him fucking coach the team. Doc, just retire. You don't like it that much. You don't have to see your you know people in your family you don't want to see. You can you can be retired and still not see them if you don't. Yeah, want to. go play golf. Go play golf. Speaking of the the doc article, we will get to that in one second. Before we do, LL Pavorsky Jewelers, mm. final sponsor of the pod. Mike, how much scale of one to ten? How much do you like LL Pavorsky? Love ten. Love him. I might ten. be watching the uh, the Eagles game tomorrow night with a uh, with a young Jake Pavorsky. Ah, really? Uh, you, obviously, you'll have to go to a, a, not a bar or something anywhere he'd be carted. 26, Jake. No. Still is 26 no. years old. Oh, my God. I know. I see him. He loves photos of himself with a little bit of stubble. He loves it. Sure. He's just like, he's proving, I get it, Jake. You can grow Perfect. facial hair. It's amazing for you. Um, I love Jake. I miss Jake. Tell him I said hi if you watch that game with him. Uh, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. LL is Jake's dad. He is the first sponsor of the Ricky, the original sponsor of the Ricky. Even when we didn't want sponsors, he was like, let me sponsor. And we did. And since then, more than 300 people, right? Ricky Sanchez listeners have purchased engagement rings from L.L. Pavorsky. That's a real number, more than 300. But he'll, he'll say it's like three or four now or something, which I don't believe, but it is 300. Uh, he, every person from, every listener from our pod that has gone to L.L., and has reached out to us. Not one complaint in the five years he's been uh, sponsoring the pod. And not just no complaints, but like email after email after email after email, like it was great, it was great, it was great, it was great. There's low pressure, um, great dude. You know, most jewelry stores, you go in there, the salesperson comes and fucking like a hawk, just ready to pounce, not LL. It's going to be a nice, easy appointment, no matter what you have to spend on an engagement ring, whether it's $1,000, $100,000, whatever it is, he's going to treat you the exact same way. And that is like rose gold. Been at 707 Walnut for more than 30 years. Impressive. And if you want an engagement ring, he wants you to make an appointment. That way he can spend the proper amount of time with you. That's a guy that cares. 215-627-2252. 215-627-2252. Uh, you could email him, lee at llpavorsky.com. Tweeted him at llpavorsky. And he always has sponsored our charitable efforts, no matter what they are right now, Providence Animal Center and uh, Mama T's Community Fridge, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Arguably singularly responsible for us making money on this podcast. <laughs> yes, I guess you could you could make that point. Mm -hmm. uh, so while you were gone. Oh, do you want to talk about the court really quickly or the jerseys? Oh, well, I, I had it on my list and I crossed it off because you're not a jersey guy. I, li I like them, I guess is my point. Uh, <laughs> I like them and I like the court. The court is nice, but the jerseys are terrible. No, I like them. No. Do I like don't like all of the jerseys. I feel, I feel like there's too many jerseys. Yeah. Yep. It's like enough already, but I do like these ones. I like a cream. I like a, I like a cursive. I don't think they're cream. Maybe I the think filter they're just is white. cream. Maybe the filter in the, on the pictures are cream. Yeah. The aesthetic is nice. The, uh, like the set that they have them posing in and like the starting lineups and stuff. I know what you like. You like the fucking crypto.com logo on it. Yeah. That's definitely <laughs> my favorite part of it. Really setting the mood of like a, a, a time in the past when like these things were relevant. <laughs> Can you believe we made it through that entire crypto era without any crypto sponsors on the pod? 
On our pod? Yeah. That would have been. They would have. I mean, <laughs> would have been bad for. for I don't think. Them. I don't think they would have. Uh, my I, my copy would have held up. <laughs> um. Yeah. They're, they're not cream, by the way. I was just looking at pictures. I don't. You know. I have to ask. Um, former, uh, or, or Philly guy, Dustin Godsey, who works for the Bucks now, um, and is a marketing guy, but used to work for the Wells Fargo center tweeted something the other day about not being able to do cream jerseys anymore, because I guess, um, the, the Bucks don't have a cream one and he hmm. did not say why, but I guess there's no more cream jersey. So I'll ask Dustin why that is. Maybe he'll tell me. Um, anyway, while you were gone, the Keith Pompey wrote an article, um, Mm-hmm. And let me get the, uh, I want the headline of the article. Hold on. Before I, uh, I don't have the, I just want to read you some quotes. Um, is, it, is the headline, here are some quotes that I, re- here are some texts I received from no. <laughs> an unnamed coach. Doc Rivers has one of the NBA's toughest jobs and shouldn't be the Sixers fall guy. <laughs> How is he one of the toughest jobs? Okay. In what well, way? I'll, uh, how about I explain it to you? First graph, Doc Rivers has perhaps the NBA's toughest coaching job. Bullshit. He's he's leading a 76er squad that has high expectations, despite the fact that Joel Embiid and James Harden, their all-star tandem, don't fit. Doesn't make any sense. Nor does the team have a true point guard or towering backup center on the roster. Towering. In addition, some of the team's ballyhooed offseason acquisitions have been. T- there was a towering guy who's now in San Antonio who they said, we right. have no use for you. Tall He's guy. Very large. The t- some of the team's ballyhooed offseason acquisitions haven't lived up to the hype yet. Rivers is destined to become the fall guy if the Sixers can't overcome their shortcomings. Listen to local sports talk radio, view social media, or even bump into a neighbor, and folks are saying it's time for Rivers to go. <laughs> Keith, man. <laughs> but the Sixers' struggles aren't solely Rivers' fault. This is a tough team to coach because of the styles of Embiid and Harden don't mix. Harden is a ball, is ball dominant, has made a career out of thriving in isolation, and Embiid, a perennial all-star, is at his best when the Sixers play through him. He's been mostly out of sync, has had poor body language while playing alongside Harden. The team misses the luxury of having a solid backup center like Andre Drummond or Dwight Howard at its disposal. Hmm. Is that true? Rivers, in his 24th season, also ranks fourth on the list of all-time NBA postseason coaching victories <laughs> behind Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, and Greg Popovich. In conjunction with the NBA's 75th anniversary, Rivers was named one of the 15 greatest coaches in NBA history <laughs> before on. last season. Come All-Star on, it's a Wikipedia entry. <laughs> but he's, he's dealing with new pressure and perhaps unrealistic expectations when it comes to the Sixers. Oh, my God. What do you think? I got... So, I have so much affection for Keith. Yeah. And so much disgust at those <laughs> words. <laughs> perhaps the hardest coaching job in the NBA... Speaking of coaching, I will let's let's end on this. We Alyssa's got team in, lost while I wasn't there, by the way. So I think they're we're we're five and two, and so and uh, I won one when I'm not, when I don't show up. So 
We got an email from Jess. You can send us emails at writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com or send us, uh, leave us a voicemail at 833 Lickface. Uh, there's no games until Friday, so our midweek pod will be all mailbaggy. So we'll, we'll get to all this stuff. Uh, this comes from Jess. Hi, my name is Jess, and I've been listening to your podcast religiously for a year after my partner got me hooked. I have one basketball and one non basketball question. Basketball. We are watching the game at the moment, and I had a wild fantasy that seems to come out of the sports golden age movies of my youth. Examples, Rookie of the Year, Little Giants, Ladybugs, Mighty Ducks, mm-hmm. etc. The dream fantasy twist for this season is that from the bench, a hoodie-clad James Harden begins, quote, seeing things differently from the sidelines, drawing up plays that hit and shifting things around so much that the team is revived. This coincides with Doc's post-Thanksgiving Orlando extended holiday where he's perusing the courses. Turns out there's a hurricane weather advisory which prevents him from catching the flight to Cleveland for the November 30th game. Maury then decides to hand the clipboard other than... Uh, to none other than James Harden donned in a knit neon pink priest's robe ready to handle business. Great. He's the new coach, Coach Harden. Do you think there is a 1% chance this happens and all my dreams come true? <laughs> in the, in, in la- the season of Hard Knocks, in the, uh, the Lions season, preseason, um, there was a moment when the, there was like a time when they're like, all right, no coaches are going to say anything. You guys are coaching yourselves for this practice. And I okay. thought that was, I enjoyed that. And I think it'd be funny to see how like everybody reacts to Maxi running a drill or Harden running a drill or something like that. That's entertaining. Um, I would love, I would love, look, he's not, they're not going to name Harden the coach. There's too many like <laughs> former coaches on the, on the no. roster, on the staff right now. But like, Giving him like maybe for like one play, like he gets to hold the clipboard and get to draw something up. I think that there's like a one percent chance of that happening. One percent is high, I think. A one percent chance of in like the last three minutes of the game, Harden grabs the clipboard from Doc and scribbles something on there. What is it? What is what has a better chance of happening? That or Coach Pop? purposely getting ejected so Brett Brown can coach against the Sixers when we're there. Uh, pick them. Okay. And then non-basketball question, what is your favorite moment from a sports movie of your youth? Oh, that's, there's a lot. There's yeah. a lot of that. Um, have, is Karate Kid a sports movie? Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I mean, the, him, uh, Probably it's the first thing that came up to me. There's a there's a bunch. Yeah. There's a lot of iconic sports movies, and I'm I'm trying to write some and potentially remake some. Mm. But one that comes to mind is the um the climax of Rookie of the Year when he no longer has the special arm. And Never saw Rookie there. Oh, that's your loss. Different generations. I feel like it, I feel like it would have changed you. I feel like you'd really? be different. You'd be a different person if, if you had seen it. Hmm. Maybe I'll watch and, it. And uh, I don't want to spoil it now. Anyway, I'll just say float it. And the people that know, know. And I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. But his mom is involved. It's great. It's, a, it's emotional. I'll, I'll cry. I'll cry at any movie, really. But at a sports movie, when it's like when there's something more than just the team, something deeper than the team, you know? Yep. That'll get me. Um, I'm trying to think youth, youth. What's youth? Is it 
18 and under? Is it sure. 12 and under? I, I mean, if we're talking youth, I fucking did love Karate Kid and I love The Natural. Um, and I love The Natural because I grew up loving baseball. And The Natural is a cool baseball movie, even though some of it doesn't add up. Like he looks way too old, you know, but um, but all of The Natural. Like when he, the, here the, the moment from each movie that I love, when he, I mean, it's, it's cliche, both of them, but when he hits the ball into the lights in The Natural and then the Karate Kid where he fucking beats Johnny at the end. It's sure. just like, I feel like I almost cried when he beat Johnny at the end. Sure. So. The best, almost the best, I mean, White Man Can't Jump is an all-timer, but I think most of the best sports movies are baseball sports movies because it's the most, like, visually appealing, magical Mm. sport. Sure. That's at least the most that I can think of. We will talk to you later this week. Wait, did you know that the Sixers, Rich Hoffman just tweeted this out. Sixers are fifth in the league in defense right now. Fifth-ranked defense in the league. And that's why... The beginning of the season didn't count. Doesn't matter. And it's all fine. The five hundred season started anew. It's that all good. doesn't doesn't seem like it adds up. I know. But that's how it goes. They are. I just looked at it. There you go. The Blazers are sixth. Jeremy <laughs> how's Grant. That, how's that even possible? Jeremy Grant and Josh Hart. Yeah. Hmm. So well, I'm not concerned. Philly season is over. That was a bummer, but it's all gonna be it's all gonna be fine. Probably Doc should be fired. Absolutely, but trust well, her with well. Embiid playing good now, it, the, the 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 Doc like nuclear Armageddon meter or whatever is definitely not at ten like it was maybe three or four days ago. You know? Yeah, that's fair. All right, we'll talk to you later this week. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, I won't, I won't fuck, fuck, with fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.